0: Michael Unger here with another episode of Let's Innovate podcast where we uncover the passion behind great ideas. And this season, we're going to be talking with our Science Fair volunteers and people that support the Science Fair. Um, we're going to hear their stories and how they got into Science Fair. And for this episode, I'm super excited to go up north to the Yukon Stikine and talk to a few people that are supporting the Regional Science Fair up there. And that's uh, Ryan Sikis, uh Secretary Treasurer, and Melissa Halpenny, a member of the Yukon Stikine Regional Science Fair Committee. Hello to you both.
1: Hello. Good evening.
2: Nice to join you. Uh,
0: So let's start with you, Ryan. You've been working uh, in various capacities in public schools up there in the Yukon as a teacher, a school administrator. Uh, How did you first start getting involved in the Regional Science Fair?
2: I uh, kind of stumbled into it inadvertently. I was a brand new teacher trying to do my best to impress my uh, school administrators, uh, one of whom uh, taught the courses that I was teaching the year before. He implied that it was a really good idea to do science fair with uh, my grade eight class. I'd never done any sort of project like that before. Uh, So I just dove right in and uh, it was a great experience and a great opportunity for my students. And then my kind of commitment to the regional science fair organization was cemented when I was invited to be the delegate at the Canada Wide Science Fair in 2003 in Calgary. And uh, by that was a, a revelation for me as a teacher okay. to go and see 500 young people from throughout Canada doing some phenomenal research and some fantastic science. was so excited and energized by uh, what that might bring to my students when I went back.
0: Interesting. You know, this is a common theme that I've heard from previous students as they maybe get into science fair, and it's that little nudge, and you got that nudge from your uh, administrator or your principal to uh, maybe go into this, because it might be um, beneficial for you, but also the students. You said that you had never been involved in something like a science fair before. Does that mean as a teacher or as a student, um, was this like all brand new for you when you started supporting it?
2: yeah both really uh i had not ever participated as a student uh and and i was at the very beginning of my teaching career there so i hadn't had a lot of experience uh teaching science frankly so um you know everything i knew about science fair was the the typical kind of uh stereotypical trope you see on tv and in the movies and and, and such so uh, that's how i fumbled through i guess my first time with my class And then, like I said, going and seeing the national one, seeing how it was really done and done fantastically well, um, taught me so much about how to uh, bring that experience to my students in a much more authentic way.
0: Yeah. And you said that when you went to the, the Canada Wide, you had a revelation of an inspiration seeing all the kids and all the hard work they put in. and the stereotypical cliche of what a science fair is like was in your head before. So what were some of the things that you noticed that was really at the heart of what science fair was really about? And then perhaps once you got to the the Canada-wide, you saw it on a big grand scale.
2: Well, the quality of the research was was what really impressed me. Uh, And, you know, the stereotypical uh baking soda vinegar volcano is kind of the, at the very low end uh, of sometimes expectations. And, you know, what, what I was seeing at the Canada Wide was, you know, university level, graduate level science research being done by teenagers uh, in their kitchens, uh, in many cases, with a lot of help from teachers and, and mentors. The thing that really struck me, though, was their ability to communicate and how polished and professional and engaging the presentations were when you would circulate and just strike up a conversation. Uh, They, of course, had their presentation ready for when judges were coming by. But even when just having a casual conversation about their project, um, it was the passion, the enthusiasm was uh, so evident. But just the skill and the clarity... Uh, through which those concepts, uh, the research and the findings were communicated just blew me away as a, as a young teacher.
0: Yeah. And as a teacher, that those communication skills, is that something that you talk about in your class? Obviously, it's not part of the curriculum, like when you're teaching science, but does that ever come up?
2: Certainly it does now. I mean, we're so lucky to teach using the BC curriculum that has a focus on on developing students' competencies, of which communication is one of those core competencies. Uh, At the time when I was starting, though, it was very much that traditional, here's the scientific method of hypothesis and method. and, And, you know, it was really about the process of doing the research and presenting the research and being able to communicate the research really wasn't emphasized at all.
0: Yeah, interesting. Melissa, I'd like to bring you in here. You've been a teacher for 11 years. You're currently a math and science teacher at F.H. Collins Secondary. So how did you get involved in science fair and how um, perhaps what were some of the perspectives that you found sort of similar to Ryan sort of getting into science fair and changing some of your perspectives on it?
1: Um, So I was involved growing up in Ottawa I did science fairs um, in grades I think I started in grade four up to probably grade 10 or so I did them um, when I was a student and then as a teacher when I became a teacher I have always done uh, science fair projects with my with my students like Ryan said that we're very lucky to follow the BC curriculum and um, science fair projects really cover so many of the curricular competencies in our curriculum so I find that it's a great thing to do as a teacher um, you're covering so you're covering so much of that curriculum in a way that's really very interesting and like innovative and the students are engaged and so um, I've always had uh, been involved in science fairs just at the school level um, and when I moved to the Yukon eight years ago, um, that first year that I worked as a teacher here when I went to the regional science fair um, with my students I, approached the the committee, the Yukon stakine committee and um, inquired about volunteering with them and being involved at the regional level. And I, I've been involved with that organization since then. So it's been almost eight years now. And in 2016, I went to nationals um, for the first time. And that, um, like Ryan was saying, is such an eye-opening experience. Um, it's just incredible to see what some of these students are doing. And I think it really, for me, like really drove home how sort of transformative these projects can be and how innovative they can be and how, how, how much all these students can do even at the high school level. So that was, that's, been, um, that's been really great and really eye-opening and, and enriching for me.
0: Yeah, so when you go to the regionals as someone who's supporting the students, and then you come back the following year, and perhaps you have new students that are either doing science for the first time or doing it again, you know, maybe they didn't have a good first experience, but they're back at it again. What are some of the lessons that you're trying to impart after you see that those students from across the country at the Canada Wide?
1: I think um, a couple of things that have uh, that really stuck out for me is that and then I think that we again as like a sort of a regional committee that we've talked about are that the projects that have the biggest impact I think are often the ones that solve a local problem or that solve a problem that is quite uh, like relatable or or present in the community or studies Mm -hmm. an issue that is quite present in the community so rather than go really abstract when students start off with an issue or a problem that is personal to them or that is quite close to them in their community, and then go from there and either um, conduct experiments or do uh, different types of projects based on that. I think that can be, it's, those projects are really fantastic. And so that's what I try to bring back to my students as well. I say, find a problem, something that you can relate to, and then go from there. What can you do about that problem or how can you research that problem? There's also different types of projects at the National Science Fair that I became aware of the first time I went as a delegate. They also have innovation projects, with, which are not the traditional like conducting and experiment projects, but are really trying to develop and to find a solution to a problem. So there's different mm-hmm. um, types of projects that students can do, and that's something I became aware of after going to my first National Fair and something that I talk to my students about.
0: Interesting. So when you go to the Canada Wide, and I've never been in that scenario before, but I'd be curious to see how each of the participants are coming from their communities and they're bringing some of the issues that they see in their small communities. Is there is there overlap or do you see each of the students kind of coming from various areas, that, which gives a nice diversity of the types of projects at the Canada Wide?
1: So I definitely think there's some overlap, like there's issues that that affect everyone, like you'll see there's actually a lot of the higher level projects, I've seen quite a few having to do with cancer, for example. So that's something that can affect, unfortunately, anyone in any community. So I think that way, um, that's like a sort of broader affects a broader part of the Um, of the population so it can be something like that or it can be something um, more specific like we've had a student here um, do very very well with the project on studying microplastics in the Yukon River so it can be uh, like a lot broader it can be more localized but um, I find that often after speaking to the students um, particularly Mm. the National Science Fair the reason that they have done some of these projects are often um, something that they've observed or something that they've experienced in their life, and then they're trying to find a solution or they're trying to study that phenomenon.
0: You're talking about the the issues of the Yukon and the microplastics in the river, you know, and Melissa, you didn't grow up in the Yukon. so. What is it like from your perspective, you know, you grew up in a place like Ottawa where a lot of the science um, and obviously education hub is in this country and then going to a more remote community like the Yukon. What's that like now for you as a teacher, and as a supporter of science fairs?
1: I guess the difference, I mean, science really isn't the way we do science and the way we would conduct the experiments and that kind of thing doesn't really change no matter where you go. I mean, there's it's just maybe the question itself that might change or the the localized issues that are different. But I don't think like the way in which these experiments are conducted or the process that they follow isn't really very different. I mean, I don't think so from, mm-hmm. one, from one place to another. It's just maybe the questions that are being asked to begin with are are maybe a bit different if they're if looking at a localized context.
2: One aspect I might add is, um, you know, the increasing recognition of traditional ecological knowledge and ancestral technologies, uh, that come from an indigenous worldview and an indigenous perspective of, um, research and innovation. And that's something that as a regional science fair committee, we have sought to encourage and, um, have, um, accept projects that don't necessarily follow that traditional experiment or innovation, but uh, fall into the category of traditional knowledge and ancestral technologies. And we've had some great support from community organizations to uh, provide special awards for those types of projects as well. So, I think that's one area where Yukon has often been in the forefront in terms of land claims and self government, and I think this is us doing in many ways the same in terms of uh, um, science research and and scientific pursuits in schools and education, and uh, hopefully that's something that we'll see represented at the Canada wide science Fair in the future as well
0: yeah that's a really interesting perspective. How do you do that as a a teacher, um, imparting some of these traditional knowledge and on top of all of the other things that they're trying to learn and then also going to science fair um, with that perspective in mind and knowing that is very important perspective. So how as a teacher do you go about doing that?
2: For me, I like to focus on things that are first common and it's, you know, wondering about the world, being curious about the world how things work, how we can solve problems and develop technologies that are useful to us is something that's universal. It's a, it's a human pursuit and it's not confined just to kind of a Western intellectual tradition. So really it's about recognizing that and acknowledging that uh, traditional ecological knowledge, ancestral technologies are really doing the same thing, but from a perspective that is very much rooted to land, uh, very much rooted to oral traditions, and uh, rooted to kind of um, a real kind of emphasis on being able to live in harmony with both the, the physical and animal world.
0: Yeah, interesting. I wonder if it's easier to do that In a more remote community, in a smaller community, where you perhaps are a little bit more connected to the environment around you because it might be a little bit closer, but perhaps also you're connected more to the community around you because it's smaller. Um, Melissa, do you have any thoughts on if growing up in a smaller community makes you more connected to nature and the people around you?
1: I can well speak for like myself, I definitely think so. I think that definitely, um, we have quite a a tight knit community here. Um, We have a wealth of resources that I encourage my students to go out and, and to seek and to ask about. Um, We have a lot of people with incredible knowledge in our community. And I think that, Perhaps given the fact that we're a smaller community, it's easier to connect with with those people and it's easier to to maybe reach out and to talk to them and to and to connect with them. But yeah, we just we have the nature like at our front door in every community in the Yukon, really. So it's easier yeah, to get outside and to to just be sort of closer like out of the big city and closer to nature, um, but also to connect to those like human resources that we have in abundance and we're very lucky to have um, here in the Yukon.
2: Sure. And just recognizing that you don't need to wear a white lab coat and work in a lab to be a scientist. Uh, You know, anyone can demonstrate the skill of thinking scientifically. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of looking for people who are willing to share that skill even if it wasn't developed necessarily in what we would consider to be kind of the Western traditional method of uh, through academic pursuits. But there's a lot of ways that you can learn about the world and be curious about the world and use methods and techniques to explore, to iterate uh, designs or experiments And then be able to pass that knowledge along, either in written or oral tradition.
0: Yeah. And, Ryan, I know that you also have studied music and chemistry uh, in university. And I'm curious if you've ever tried to meld the two, um, perhaps giving that, uh, shedding (laughs) the traditional science in the lab coats and bringing some music into your science.
2: Yeah, well, that was definitely a good shtick uh, when I started teaching Uh, uh, I I, I tried to find ways to uh, amalgamate the two and and one of them was uh, uh, learning how to parrot uh, Tom Lehrer's rendition of the elements uh, song that he wrote in the 1950s I won't uh, won't, um, uh, stress your ears or your hearing uh, with a very unpracticed (laughs) rendition of that now but uh, for a long time that was uh, a great way to kind of hook kids in sometimes Wonderful.
0: Well, we'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can go and, and listen to it after they listen to this podcast.
2: And challenge them to uh, to try to learn it themselves. Uh, I just You put it on repeat and you just keep singing along with it until you get it. That was my, my technique. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Uh, well, Ryan and Melissa, thank you so much for joining us here in this episode of Let's Innovate. I wish all the best to uh, you up there and to the, all of the students up there in the Yukon Stikine Regional
2: Science Fair. Thanks, Michael, for this opportunity. Thank you very much, Michael.
0: And thank you to everyone that's been listening to this season of Let's Innovate. If you would like to volunteer for your regional science fair, you should contact us. Email info at sciencefairs.ca. Uh, you can also contact us on social media at Youth Innovation Showcase, um, and you can contact me as well at Michael John Unger. Uh, we will be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. Until then, let's innovate.